When we hear the sound made by the theremin, don't we quickly think of those old sci-fi movies and even creatures from outer space? We're about to hear a story centering on Earth-based space, at least to start, about the space in which we live and move and have our being. Space we may take for granted, like the oft-sighted fish in water. Michael Frischkoff from the music faculty at the University of Alberta reminds us, we live in and through architecture and we live in and through sound, usually simultaneously. What is more, architecture is not only an eminently spatial and visual configuration, but also a temporal, auditory, and social one. We access and inhabit architectural spaces in time, and we experience and evaluate architectural structures through hearing and oral communication within them. Conversely, Music and sound utterances are not only eminently temporal and auditory, but they're also spatial and visual ones. They guide our orientation and positioning. They demarcate social spaces. They're performed according to specific spatial and visual arrangements among participants in concerts and the like. They may evoke visual narratives or be experienced visually as gesture and bodily movement as in dance. Music and architecture emerge then as interlinked, as temporal spatial phenomena, giving us as humans coordinates for the creation of meaning between and among us. That from Michael Frischkopf in his study Music, Architecture and Space in Islam. Creative artists in our region invite us to immerse ourselves in spaces that they will create and spin out through a dialogue, through a musical dance between and among the players themselves, and two silent films inspired by and in conversation with the visionary architecture of a pair of leading-edge creators. Jason Smeltzer is one of the few masters of the instrument, the theremin, and he invites musicians to join him in accompanying silent films. This Saturday evening, Nefarious Musical Accompaniment for Silent Films, that's the name, will perform at the Old Brick Theater, West Market Street in Scranton, and they will accompany experimental films of experimental architecture. Jason Smeltzer paid a visit to the WVIA studios to give us a sense of what it's all about. I should mention Paige and Bob of the Old Brick Theater. It was initially their idea. They came to me, I think it was 2016, before the pandemic. I said, Jason, would you be interested in doing music for a, a film night? We were interested in doing some classic silent films. And I, I took that as far as I could. Basically did one or two a year. We did a lot of the German ones, Nosferatu, Metropolis, the big one, uh, Faust. It's tricky for me because I'm usually very obscure, but we did Charlie Chaplin, which was really fun, and a Middle, a Middle Eastern one done by a German group, The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, which is all done in cut paper. So this is an interesting sidestep where we'd always done the classic black and white. And this current one came about, I ran into Paige over the summer. I hadn't seen anybody. I've been sort of been hiding. And she got very excited. Jason, we don't want to do anything in December. 
We don't want to think about it. You can do whatever you want. And I don't know, there's not a lot of people who have carte blanche, you know, this guy carte blanche anyway. And the first thing I thought of was bringing this in. I still want it to be a film, film situation, but the silent film, it's a whole different preparation and usually licensing and things like that. As soon as we lay eyes on your poster, Jason, we see this remarkable figure that is dynamic, it's in motion, it's multicolored, and it is at angles that are troubling. <laughs> Good a description as anyone could, could make. The Crux of the Night are two films by a friend of mine, uh, Robert Bowden, who's a film, maybe even graphics teacher at NYU. And basically, I've met him about 10 years ago in the city. We had actually performed at 9-11 Museum. His stuff is unbelievable. And there's nothing, when I, when I first was introduced to it, which actually was a performance as well, I didn't know what I was about to see. And really, there was nothing like it. I had always hoped to be kept in contact. So these films, these particular ones, are the simplest way to describe them are experimental films on experimental architecture. And mainly it's Arakawa and Gins. Arakawa is an interesting character. Uh, He was an art student and, I believe, an architect student in Japan. And a teacher of his was very familiar with Marcel Duchamp and, in fact, had his address. The story goes that Arakawa, as a student, would write letters to Duchamp, mind that he wasn't very good at English, so he would write them in Japanese, then do his best to translate it on the same page and then have another person translate his own translation. And he would send this heap to Marcel. And I don't know if there was much correspondence, but it kept happening. And at some point, early 60s, Arakawa flew into JFK with Marcel's phone number and $14 and called during some snowstorm and Tini Duchamp answered the phone and could recognize the name well enough. So they said they'd be right there. And from there, Arakawa met uh, Duchamp, the likes of John Cage. Uh, I even caught somewhere that he apparently stayed in a flat owned by Yoko Ono. And somewhere in there, Madeline Gins comes in. She was, she was pretty avant-garde, uh, primarily a poet, but they became a team architecturally and very hard to describe. But they were such a team that you didn't really separate the architecture from the poetry, which is why I'm also reading part of their manifesto, which reads a little bit like a play, a little bit like poetry. It's very, just very colorful for, for lack of being arcane. The interest on the part of your friend, the filmmaker, then was in the concepts? Are there drawings? What is existing other than a manifesto? Okay, very good question. The two films are of a location on Long Island they called Bioscleave, and they were part of a foundation called the Reversible Destiny Foundation. And they tried to articulate that the, the unusualness of their spaces would make you pay a certain amount of attention as opposed to being, being complacent in a living space. I don't know that anyone necessarily lived anywhere in any of their structures permanently, but for a period, from the interviews I've seen, people are pleased with how they, it changes their frame of mind and how they look at their day. The floors are, are not level, the stairs are this, the colors are peculiar. What about any audio on his part in these films? Did he conceive them as silent films? Basically... I suspect he didn't know what he was was trying to do. One description, at least in the first film, the, the two films are pretty different from each other. The one's very abstract but organic, like very le- leisurely but 
gorgeous. And what he said he had done, as part of an aspect of it, there is, and I could be getting this a little bit inaccurately, but my understanding is the film is taken from very large stills that he took, but then he used what would normally be used for um, archaeological situations on TV or otherwise where you know this and you know this, but you don't know this. So he enjoyed the the program trying to figure out what goes there. And it's it's what it comes up with is not earthly. It, it, it's, it's, but at the same time, you, you, you've never seen anything do what this does. With all the effects these days and everything like that, there's a nice, non-deliberate, meaningless, appreciable quality to it that I, I was you know, very struck by it, very struck by it. Paige gave you carte blanche, and then what happened? You know, I called Bob, hadn't talked to him since the pandemic began and so forth. The amazing thing with him falling into place, he's, he's also coming to the show. I wasn't expecting that. I just wanted his, his blessing. But uh, no, he'll be staying at the Radisson and help with the Q&A and maybe talk about Arakawa and on a more personal level. Like, I didn't get to know them. You know, I met Gins the one time. And he knows more what's going on since their passing. There's a lot of legalities. And we always talked about our dream was to actually show the movie on the location which is getting further and further away, but you never know. You never know. So you are at the Old Brick Theater, which is an intimate space, going to create a different space because of what you all as musicians are doing in conversation, that's the word I use, with Mm. what he's done in the film, and suddenly we're in a... Space within a space? That seems fair. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the way the program will unfold. When would you read from the manifesto and that sort of thing? The, generally, the way we're seeing it presently is it'll begin with uh, the first film. And the films are between 15 and 20 minutes. They're pretty short. After that, and there again, it's hard to describe it, but we will be doing a dramatic musical reading of uh, part of one of their manifestos, which uh, there again, sounds dreadful, but I, I tried it on page this afternoon and she's, oh, now I... Up to. And after that, we might have a Q&A, do a little intermission at that point. You referred to your instrument of choice, and that's the theremin. And we can't assume that people know what a theremin is. I usually take a step back if someone does, because sometimes that's a good sign, sometimes that's a bad sign, because it's it's often uh, associated with uh, weird things in noisemaking. Not that I don't do that. But uh, often that is, that is the, the cutoff for it. Uh, just so anyone listening can be helped out a little bit, uh, the theremin's been around for a little over 100 years. It was essentially the first musical instrument to use electricity, uh, only musical instrument that you don't touch. You essentially are a ground, and middle C is your hand in the middle of the air, in proximity to an antenna. I always say it's, it's very easy to embarrass yourself if you have a goal musically. And also that there are many reasons why you don't see them. It's not a it's not a realistic instrument. Very beautiful if you if you are foolish enough to go down that road and stay down there as long as I have. If you are relaxed and organic and not afraid to do what you can't do, its applications are have been surprising. And you call your group or the series that you put on nefarious musical accompaniment for silent films. 
Tell us why nefarious is something that is a good descriptor for what your interests are that, often. That is, a, that is a good question. Well, when we first began the, the silent film music, we had begun with Nosferatu. And it, initially, nefarious musical accompaniment was my description of what we were doing with Nosferatu. Also, it sounds good, Nosferatu. You know, the nefarious going on there. And I just continued. After that, I just referred to us as a little lavish, but it wasn't taken, the name Nefarious Musical Accompaniment for Silent Film. Voila. We have the alluring poster in front of us. Which film is this image from? This is the very beginning of the first film. Definitely something that it's been cute. The first film is in 3D. Robert Bowen will have 70 or so of the old style 3D glasses for everyone to wear. And it's been very adorable how many people are excited about us passing out 3D glasses. In fact, he told me a funny story uh, when we had done the 9-11 Museum. It was a different film, but it was also 3D. And basically, discussions for performing there began before it was even completed. The 9-11 Museum. Right. And normally, what had gone on throughout the year, the, most of the things in the 9-11 auditorium have been lectures. The Iran uh, towers and so on and so forth. And one thing we we knew but we didn't process when we were introduced, it was mentioned that the previous week was when the Pope had been there. And they had joked that, you know, he was not enough to close out the season, that we needed these guys with 3D glasses and so on and so forth. But it also came up that there was a board meeting somewhere down the road for what to do next season. And they're looking through, you know, images of what had happened and all of a sudden the board sees in an auditorium full of people wearing 3D glasses. And um, I, uh, Bob said they freaked out in a good way, you know, but it was still was not prepared for that. Well, I think that adds an extra literal dimension mm. to the, what you're doing with architecture, music, that it is an exploration of space. Right. All right, then, as we look at the poster, please review the information that the listeners can't see. So, the show is this Saturday, December 10th at 7 p.m. at the Old Brick Theater. That is uh, 126 West Market Street, Scranton. And good to note that it is the rear entrance. If you have not been there before, that can be confusing. Definitely the rear entrance. And, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, pushing it off a cliff. It'll be pretty, pretty amazing. It's got everything. And there'll be coffee, too. All this and coffee, too. We heard from Jason Smeltzer one of the few masters of the instrument, the theremin, inviting musicians regularly to join him in accompanying silent films. And that's the case this Saturday, December 10th at 7 at the Old Brick Theater, West Market Street in Scranton. The nefarious musical accompaniment for silent films ensemble will accompany two films by Robert Bowen and they are inspired by the architects Arakawa and Ginz, who had a vision of what architecture could and might be in its ability to help us become aware of the space in which we dwell and move and have our being. And it's a chance for you to join in this wonderfully wild experiment in the creation of space, new space, one-of-a-kind space, and you are invited to check the website for details on how to get there and more about the show. Facebook.com slash Diva Theater Scranton. Facebook.com Diva, D-I-V-A, Theater, T-H-E-A-T-E-R, Scranton. 
That's a little bit of Jason as he prototypes. Nefarious musical accompaniment for silent films, Saturday, December 10th at 7 in the evening, the Old Brick Theater, so that's tomorrow evening at 7 at the Old Brick Theater, 126 West Market Street in Scranton, and Jason Smeltzer will lead a band of quite remarkable musicians, and the filmmaker will be on hand, and you'll get a chance to actually see a 3D film wearing those wonderful old-fashioned 3D glasses. For more information, facebook.com slash diva theater Scranton.